0: Good morning, Yeah, you know, it's pretty appropriate that we should be looking at uh, Psalm 22 on the day we celebrate communion together, because Psalm 22 is very tied to the crucifixion. When we read it together, as we go through it, you're going to recognize a lot of what's written in there because it's quoted so much. It's quoted all throughout in all the Gospels. Um, It's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Basically, in this psalm, David David is expressing despair. He is struggling and in a really, really dark place. That's where David is when when he's writing this. Or at least what he's expressing as he writes it. Now, Psalm 22 so accurately describes the crucifixion, as we read through it, that it would be easy to think that it was written after the fact. But it was actually written hundreds of years before the crucifixion. And so we see God at work simply in that. But before we read it, I want to point point out that this isn't just a prayer of David. You see in the title, if you'll go ahead and turn there, in the title it says, To the Choir Master, according to the Doe of the Dawn, a Psalm of David. Now, I don't want to get too tied up in the title, but you see from the title that what this was, was this was a song handed to the choir master to be sung among the whole congregation. So as you read about, as we read about and look at the suffering David is describing, understand that he is describing it for all of us. He's, he is putting this out there so that it can be an expression of worship and sorrow and praise and hope for all of us together. That's the idea here. So as we go through it, Lift your struggles to the Lord. Picture your hurt in the words of David. Knowing that as we read this, we have brothers and sisters all around us right now sharing it. Sharing it with us together. Now the psalm is not only an expression of David's despair, and it's not only a picture of Jesus' death and resulting victory, and it is that, but it also serves an express, as an expression of our struggles. Where does our assurance come from when we are in despair? Where does our help come from when we are helpless? David's talking about that. Where do we find comfort when we hurt? So, maybe you've already turned there, turned to Psalm 22, but note this, it will not be up on the screen. I intentionally did that, because I want you to see it for yourself in your copy of this. Paper, electronic, whatever it is, in yours, in front of you. Now, if you are new to the Bible... If you're new to this whole church thing, if you don't know where Psalms, that's okay. Where it is in the Bible, I'll, I'll tell you, it's more or less right in the middle. It's kind of like right in the middle there. But as I was putting this together, I was reminded of when I was a new believer and very unfamiliar with all of this, very unfamiliar with the Bible. And, and I would be there, and I'd be there with, among you know a line of us, and our friends all sitting together. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had my new Bible. Someone had given it to me. And they'd say, turn to whatever it was, Habakkuk. You know, one of those that's like tough to, to find if you're not familiar with it. And I'd be like uh, flipping through, flipping through, flipping through. And my buddy next to me would be like, here. And he would help me. We don't do that so much anymore, do we? We need to help one another. Like this is a way to grow together, to be family together. So if you're unfamiliar with your, with your Bible... That's okay. Great. Help one another out. Show sidle up next to somebody. Scooch over a seat or two. If you see someone struggling, scooch over a seat or two. Or if you or if you don't have your Bible, remember when we would do this? We would it be on our lap, and we kind of scoot it over a little bit, and we kind of point to where. You ever do that? Of course. Do that. We are family. We're family. Let's help one another. We're going to see David talking about, we do this as a congregation together. Let's do that. So let's get into this psalm. Psalm 22. David begins by not holding anything back. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, but I find no rest. You hear what David's saying? He's not putting on the happy face. He's not putting on the front as he walks through the doors. He's saying, I don't know where God is right now. I don't know why I don't feel him and I don't know why he's not answering me. Have you ever been in this place? Why aren't you answering me, God? He feels forsaken and alone. It's painful. It's painful. David did not pretend to be okay with his situation. We don't have to pretend to be okay with our situations. He was in deep despair. And as we go on, I want you to think about this. As real as David's feelings were, and they are very real, and as real as your feelings are, and yes, they are so real, it doesn't mean they're right. And I don't mean that you're wrong to feel that way. You're not wrong to feel that way. But when we feel things, and when, we're, when our feelings are driving us to believe certain things, we have to evaluate that against facts, against the truth of God's word. We have to look at, I'm feeling this right now. Does it line up with what is true? Our feelings do not determine truth. That is a common lie. That is a common belief in our culture, that our feelings, what we feel, what we think, or what we feel and experience that that determines truth and it is a lie the truth is true regardless of how we feel the prevailing thought is who can say whether what i'm feeling is right or wrong you don't get to tell me you don't get to question my feelings We have to evaluate our feelings. David does just this in this psalm. He expresses his feelings honestly, raw. In all the hurt and pain, he expresses it. And then he says this, Yet, see that contrast? Yet, you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel in you our fathers trusted they trusted and you delivered them then to you they cried and were rescued in you they trusted and were not put to shame david responds to his feelings of abandonment by looking at who god is and what he's done he goes to history he goes to the truth of God's character, of God's nature. He roots himself in that. I feel all these things. This is what I feel, but I know this to be true. I've seen you work in the past. We have record of you working in the past. Your word tells me who you are. Your word expresses that, and I'm resting in that, despite what I feel. That's what David does. How about us? Does our despair drive us to remember God does your despair drive you into the truth of God's word Jesus cried out these same words while hanging on the cross do we remember that in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 I'll give you a second to turn there because it's not gonna be on the screen 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 It says, that cross, it says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are we abandoned? No. God sent his son into this world so that we would not be abandoned. He died for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. We are not even close to abandoned. It feels like that sometimes. As alone as we may feel, when we put our faith in Christ, we are not alone all that this world and our enemy, the devil, can throw at us is completely powerless, completely powerless to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It cannot separate you from God. You are not abandoned. Everything that this world can throw at you, everything the enemy can throw at you, every painful thing you experience is not powerful, not even close enough to separate you from God's love. He said... I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See how this psalm keeps drawing us back to the cross? Back to our Lord. But he doesn't stop there. He says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for God delights in him. They mock him. The people around him turn on him. They despise him. What a terrible feeling. What a terrible place to be. To feel utterly alone. And to be mocked. Again, the rejection and humiliation that David is expressing in this psalm, Jesus faced on the cross. In Matthew 27, verse 39, he talks about this. It talks about this. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying he saved others, he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, then we'll believe him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him. If he desires him, for he said for he said, I'm the Son of God. Jesus gets it. He understands it better than anyone else on this planet. Anyone you know, he understands how you feel. He understands. You feel alone? You feel rejected. You get mocked. Especially you get mocked because of your faith. Because you have the gall to actually say, that's wrong. I trust Jesus in this. I believe what the Bible says about this is true. How dare you? Jesus understands it better than anybody else we know. He knows because he was made like us, his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, high priest representing us before God the Father. That's who he, that's who he is. That he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's Hebrews 2. It is in these moments, it's in these moments when we feel like we could not get any lower, that David writes this You are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. David returns to this fact. When he feels worthless, when he feels lower than a worm, when he feels like nobody cares, he remembers who God says he is. Remember who God says you are Let that define who you are not your feelings Let that determine What you think about yourself not how you're feeling in the moment or in your pain or in your suffering god has been david's god from the beginning before david even understood what was going on before he was even born God was at work in david's life God created David special. He set him apart and he called him to accomplish a purpose. And he's done that for us. In Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Give you a minute. It's not on the screen. In Ephesians 1 it says this. In him... We have obtained an inheritance. That means you're an heir. That means you're in the family. You don't get an inheritance otherwise. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Before you understood anything about faith or who Jesus was, God was at work. He was at work. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that you're sitting in this room right now. God is moving. God is at work. And then, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth... The gospel of your salvation and believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God was at work. And that all led up to the point where you heard the gospel and you believed. God was at work in that too. And he gave us his Holy Spirit and he sealed us with it with the spirit the guarantee of our inheritance to the to the praise of his glory that's who you are chosen made new adopted sealed and heir that's who you are if you place your faith in Jesus All every one of those things is true of you right this minute. That's what David does. He reminds himself of that. But he still hurts. Verse 12, many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me, they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Have you ever felt attacked on all sides? Like you can't get away. No matter which way you go, no matter where you turn. There's there's an attack something nothing is going right nothing is easy everything that seems like it should be easy is it's turning on you for some reason at least it feels like that the feelings david felt here jesus lived out on the cross Surrounded by enemies who would trample, devour, and tear him apart, literally piercing his hands and his feet. David felt starved, naked, and exposed and vulnerable. Jesus was all of those things. Everything David was describing, Jesus lived out until he yielded up his spirit. And when people turn on us, when you feel like, I, 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 I can't turn anywhere. Wherever I go, I'm being ri- it feels like I'm being ripped apart. When it feels like your strength is completely gone, like you can't get out of bed, you can't face it one more day, you can't move, your heart is like wax inside your chest. You may not have the strength to get out of bed, but you have the strength to cry out to God. Cry out to God. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. David can't help himself. He's helpless. God is not. This should be our first response when we face trials. We run to our Lord. We run to our God. We run to the one who came and died for us. Who loved us so much that he gave his only son. That should be our first response. Too often it's not. Too often it's not. But it's never too late. Prayer is an act of faith. Trusting that God is the one who created everything. He raised Jesus from the dead. And he still works through his people and by his spirit. He still works today. He hears our prayers. And he answers our prayers. That's what we see here. David goes from save me from the mouth of the lion to you have rescued me. You've rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. You have rescued me. God hears God rescues. It's in the past tense. It's done. Or if it hasn't been done, it's so certain that it will be done, you might as well refer to it in the past tense. Because it's going to happen. Jesus is going to deliver us from this world. He's going to come. He's going to set it right, and all of it, all of all the pain, all the suffering will be gone. It's a certain as we're sitting and standing here right now. And David says it, you have delivered me, you have rescued me. But let's be clear. God hears our prayers and God answers our prayers. But he is working from a much bigger picture than we have. And so when he answers our prayers, it may not be the way we thought and it may not look the way we wanted it to look. In fact, it probably won't, but he hears and he answers. Hebrews 5, 7 says this, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. The one who's able to save Jesus from death heard him. He answered his prayer, but Jesus still went to the cross. He still died on that cross, but God heard his prayer. God answered his prayer because Jesus didn't stay in that grave. He was delivered from death, but he went through it first. When we pray, we pray with today in mind. That's how we pray. But when God answers our prayers, he answers with eternity in mind. And so his answer will be better than your, your prayer. Because he has the big picture. He sees it all. And he has a plan. So he may not take you out of the situation that you're in. But he will answer your prayer for deliverance with eternity in mind. These are the facts we turn to in response to the feelings we experience. These are the facts. This is where we find our assurance when our feelings say we are alone. We remember who God is and what he has done. We remember who God says we are and how he has shown us his love for us in Christ. We cry out to him because he is a God who hears and answers now david didn 't stop there because if you notice in the psalm, the tone changes drastically as soon as he says as soon as he says, "You have rescued me," the tone changes. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you, you who fear the Lord, praise him, all you offspring of Jacob, glorify him, stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not Despised or abhorred the, afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. Because of what God has done, because of what God has done, I will praise him for all to see. That's what David is saying. I will praise him for everyone to see. In the congregation, I will praise him. I will lift up his name. I will bring others in it with me. All you who fear the Lord, praise him. This is where our sufferings lead. It does not feel like it in the middle of it, does it? But this is where God is bringing us. In the middle of our suffering, it feels like we're alone. The truth is, you're not. God did not abandon them. He did not hide his face from them. And when we see him work in those times, it drives us to praise him. Together, as a congregation. Remember, the psalm was to be read or sung among the congregation, all of us together. So I'll praise him for all to see. And he goes on, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. And that's everyone, by the way even the one who cannot keep himself alive. Because of what God has done, I live in hope. We have hope. Secure in God's promises for the world. Just as we said a minute ago, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And this and in, in, in this world, it's going to be made new. Every knee is going to bow to him. Every knee. So when you're getting mocked, Your faith, when you're getting ridiculed, looked down on, they're going to bow the knee to Jesus, just like us. The only question is, is between now and then, are they going to do it willingly, or are they going to do it in a way that they don't want to do it? It's going to happen. And that's our hope. Jesus will not leave things as it is. This is hope. Knowing that whatever happens during these few years of our lives now, there is an eternity of glory waiting for everyone who trusts in Christ. That's our hope. That's our hope. And then he wraps with this. Posterity shall serve him shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They will come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Because of what God has done, we now live to help others believe and follow him. Posterity, all those future generations, they're going to serve him. That's our mission. That's our mission. That it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. It points straight back to Jesus again. It points straight back to his great commission. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Teach them to obey me. It all works together. This isn't a bunch of separate little documents all, all gathered together at some point. This is the Word of God, and He is the author behind all the human authors, bringing it into one message. One story, one truth. And he has called you. He has called me to proclaim him to the world. That's our mission. He's given us reason to praise. He's given us hope. And he's given us mission. That is what God has done for us. He has rescued us for something greater than we could have ever imagined. that's for everyone. Doesn't matter whether you're a teenager, adult, at work, at school, homeschool, private school, public school, manual labor, office worker, work at home, children, no children, none of that matters. This is all of our calling. This is all of our calling. So with that calling in mind, let's prepare to pray. Would you bow with me? And let me just, as you're bowing and getting ready here for us to close in prayer, I want you to consider this. The psalm points us back to Jesus again and again. And that means it points us to the gospel again and again. It actually lays out the gospel pretty clearly if we step back and look at it for a minute Because it because it begins with this sense of separation from God and that's the truth This is where we all start. We start separated from God We start sinful and in rebellion making up our own gods in our own image and completely without hope That's where we all start We are without jesus god's enemies we were made to be God's image in this world, but because of sin, we, were, we are spiritually dead and enslaved to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. There is no escape. We are at the mercy of the enemy, surrounded, an enemy who would tear us apart. Cry out to God. God. Believe and trust in the Lord Jesus, acknowledging your sin and turning to him for forgiveness to be made new. Adopted into his family forever. That's the invitation. That's the invitation. This is why we praise him as a body. This is why we praise him as a congregation. He is our hope. He is our assurance. That we will be raised with him. To dwell forever. Together. And the new heavens and the new earth, when he returns, the invitation is open. There is no reason to wait. Believe him today. Trust him. Father, we are so grateful. So grateful for your word. So grateful for what you did on the cross, Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you for that sacrifice. Lord, I pray today that as we, when we, go through the suffering, go through the pain, when we face despair, when our feelings tell us so many things, I pray the truth of your word would shine, that it would ground us, that would give us stability, Lord. That would lead us to praise you, to have the certainty that your prom- all all your promises are yes in Christ. That we will see you face to face. We will be in eternity with you forever. Lord, I pray that you would. Move us to obey and follow you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.